Fables of Our Deconstruction is created by me, Dylan Jacobson. This is a podcast where we examine our systems of faith and culture together as we grow as people. If you like what you hear, check me out at patreon.com slash Dylan. And if you'd like to be on a future episode, leave me a message at 515-318-7569 or find Fables of, your, of Our Deconstruction on Anchor FM and leave me a voice message. Remember to leave your name, otherwise I will keep you anonymous. Let's get into this. This is my second time going live with this podcast, which has been kind of a crazy, uh, unique situation. I don't know how many people are going to tune into this live, especially because I'm still working out the kinks of having a good schedule, aiming for 1 p.m. every other Tuesday. Uh, but anyway, um, th- I- I'm still working my way through one of those religious books I got from Ken Ham and the folks at the Creation Museum. Um, I would really like to be able to utilize that. I've also made the decision I want to read um, Dante's Inferno, which I've never picked up before. And on top of that, I'm also going to pick up Paradise Lost and read through those. One of the reasons I want to add those to my roster of books that I'm reading for this podcast is because so much of what we do religiously is actually done from fiction. There are fictional things, like Dante's Inferno, that have become hugely impactful in how we explore the world around us through a religious lens, how we experience things like sin and virtue, the devil, God, angels, and all those wonderful and weird things in between. So I think that reading those books will definitely help me in creating better content for this podcast. But I've been a busy, busy man for the last few weeks. I have been hustling my little buns off going to art events. I just got done with Halloweenapalooza in Ottumwa, Iowa. Gotta admit, it wasn't my best Halloweenapalooza. I'm probably gonna skip next year, but that's just the way it goes. But it was my last event that I can foresee in which I am just presenting as Dylan Jacobson. It'll be Brimstone Studios. You know, join the Brimstone community in my Discord, government Patreon, all that stuff. It'll be that. And one of the other things that I'm exploring with that while I'm, I'm running around the world is, is a greater variety of artwork. And I do figure art right now. Um, I came up in comics, but I'm, I'm also doing figure art, right? My big series that I just got done with is Faithless and Fearless, trying to represent otherwise evil things in a way that brings in humanity and beauty. And I'm using model reference for that. It was super fun, right? I want to go further. I want to create something a little more nutty. So I'm working on Kinktober this year instead of Inktober, which means I'm drawing some pretty adult things like people having sex, uh, <laughs> uh, straight up using uh, <laughs> using implements like dildos and strap-ons and things along those lines. And that's been a wild experience. So being able to do that uh, and working in these new spaces is unique for me. I have a big red book put together by several artists. 
that I forgot that I should be using for reference because I keep looking stuff up and I have a book here. So if I'm not looking at real people and I want to look at artwork, I should look at that. Now, what blows my mind is there are a variety of artists in that book. Some of them are renowned for doing uh, more mature artwork like Bastion LeCouf, who I follow on Facebook and have for several years. So I was excited to see his work in that book. But there's also uh, the, the person who got me interested in the book to begin with was Mirka Andolfo, who famously does all across the board a variety of comics. Uh, she she has done scantily clad things, uh, sexy things, and also stuff like uh, DC Comics. And, and sure, she's, she's got an act for the female form, and that is one of the reasons she gets hired for that. But it's not always mature stuff. I'm still grappling with, can I create explicit immature content um and still create other content so another one that comes to my mind is um uh, andrew marr oh my gosh i love andrew marr if you go look at his work and look at some of my stuff over the last year you can tell that andrew marr has had a big impact on what i do and i think that's fine i think that's a perfectly reasonable thing for me to be doing but i bring that up to say that uh, Andrew Marr works on stuff like Magic the Gathering, but then he's also got explicit content. Uh, and I'm trying to be able to live in both those realms. I know that, uh, that you know, I, I often work with kids, and I don't need to bring those two worlds together, but I want to be able to have those two worlds. And I'm, I think having this studio is really going to help me out. But it, it's been a, a challenge, especially because I've been posting all this new content uh, of almost 11 days worth. I'm a little bit behind, but I will get them all done. Almost 11 days worth of uh, of Kinktober explicit content on my Patreon. And I know that not all my patrons came there to see something like that. I know that not all my patrons want to be exposed to something like that. I've been trying to do some good tagging. But the best way to share an image is to put the image just in the image spot. And if you open the email that you get from me, you just get a big explicit image. So it's been an, an interesting challenge because some of my community has been supportive. Much of my community has been dead silent. And I'm convinced that some of the silence is because of reluctance to say that they're not supportive of that information. So it's it's a curious place to work in. It's unique and challenging for me because I'm drawing poses and, and parts of the body I rarely get to draw. I think it's cool. Uh, I think it's challenging. It's frustrating. I've had some of the most stressful days of my life in the last few weeks. Um, but what what we consider explicit and what we consider okay is really interesting, especially when we come from this lens of like, well, I left religion. You know, I hadn't really been involved in the last decade, but I'm officially not religious. And so, like, why would I want to hold on to any concepts of purity culture? What What is it that I think is obscene or profane? And, and where's the line? And what is that? And I'm trying to define that. I realize there's these conversations of things like family-friendly. And I, I've argued over and over again. I'm not exactly sure what that term means. I think we, we need to find ways to define that. And I've also become a pretty firm believer that if you're going to host an event and invite an artist to it, and you're going to have rules against what can and cannot be shown, which I think is entirely up to the event, that's fine. Uh, you actually need to have the the confidence and the maturity to expressly list what you don't want and what you're comfortable with. Just smearing the words family-friendly on something can be deeply confusing because... Uh, and I've probably said this before on this podcast, but taking your family through a classic art museum 
isn't uncommon. And there's definitely things akin to what I have done in the recent past. Uh, not so much what I'm doing right now, but like, there are nudity pieces in classic art museums, and that's just going to be the way it is. The classic art that exists in my hometown is very similar. So the reason I bring that up is like, I'm deconstructing all of those facets of myself right now too, which has been really weird. Uh, I don't play with sexual identity much. And I think that when I, when I look at it, I actually think my, my Midwestern, well, Midwestern Protestant upbringing had a lot to do with like, don't acknowledge your, your sexual self. Don't worry about that. Uh, we're not here to express those things. Uh, that'll all come through in the end when you, when you get married. It'll be private in your bedroom. There'll be no exploration. You both will just know what you want. That's interesting, I guess, but it's... I'm, I've drawn things I would have never expected. I drew two male characters together. It was very vanilla. Nothing explicit. But they were there. And it doesn't bother me to represent that stuff. So I, th this is almost like, <laughs> in my 30s, exploring... What am I interested in? What am I comfortable with? What would I be okay representing for people? What would I be okay commissioning, like taking on as a commission? I don't really know what the line is yet. I'm trying to figure that out. And I, I do think gray is a beautiful thing. And I, I had a conversation with my wife just about like the grayness of stuff. And uh, there there are things, I'm going to go out on a limit and agree with her. There are things we should be more firm on. But I got to know what they are before I can become more consistent on what what i believe or feel about something i'm trying to do that that's like why i started this show so let's move into our other big topic our next big topic for today is beer and proselytizing so i'm wearing this beautiful hoodie it's mustard colored it's the most dwight Schrute colored thing i think i've ever owned it's got a crown on it and some lions a big shield and it says oktoberfest so two weekends ago, right after recording our last episode, ran off to Oktoberfest with my wife and my parents. So we stayed in a cute little Airbnb, got to got to run around uh, uh, the Amana Colonies, a little German area of Iowa. We got to drink beer and eat bratwurst. Now, before I get any further, I do want to say, drinking beer and eating bratwurst as the primary consumptive part of your event is a lot harder than I thought. I had three beers over the course of the whole day, and two bratwursts, and some fries. Can't really snack on bratwurst. I don't care who you are. I'm a foodie, and I can't do it. So, it was it was more, I, I thought I was going to go and hurt myself. You know, I'm going to overeat, overdrink, I'm going to feel like crap, I'm going to pass out on the ride home. Uh, but that didn't happen, partly because it's just too hard for me, maybe it's my age, to drink beer and eat bratwurst as fast as one would have to do to wreck yourself on that. Uh, but anyway, we had a pretty great time. There was live music, all sorts of goofy little things you would associate with the Amana Colonies and Oktoberfest and, you know, oompa oompa all the time. And everyone running around in the Lederhosen. Uh, big spoiler, if you want to go to the Amana Oktoberfest and you don't want to wear Lederhosen, but you do want to get the $2 discount, just order your tickets online. That's all we did, and we got the same discount that the Lederhosen folks got. So, hey, I didn't have to wear any Lederhosen, and I got to have a good time. But at the end of the event, and this is what I really came here to talk about, 
uh, my wife and I were walking back to the car to meet up with my parents, and there's a man standing by the primary beer tent, and he's got a big sign. I don't remember the exact verbiage on the sign, but it said something about, like, you're going to burn in hell. And he's he's got a little microphone with a speaker box hooked to it, and he's 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 shouting about how alcoholics will go to hell, those who get drunk will go to hell, those who party too hard will go to hell. You need to save yourself. And these are things that you could see on almost any street corner in any real city in the U.S. on any day, outside any business, outside of school. The reason this stands out to me is we were at Oktoberfest. This is a place where you eat and you drink. Granted, again, I wasn't as good at that as some of the other folks around me. It was weird to see so many full flagons of beer. Anyway, uh, this guy is shouting you know, into the crowd with his microphone, You're going to burn in hell. And... My wife and I made a couple little remarks under our breath to each other. You know, no one else could hear it. We're we're alone about how, wow, he's really putting himself out there. Wow, this is a weird place to see that. Wow, I wouldn't be doing that, uh, even if I were in his shoes. But he's holding up his faith, right? So much of Christianity is like, you got to go out there and you got to wield this Christianity like it's the only thing you got. You've got to be able to put that on your sleeve, and you've got to find that persecution because the Christians will be persecuted. Now, there were people shouting at this dude, uh, you know, obscenities, being rude to him, and he, he was definitely ignoring it pretty well, but the the thing is, is that they were creating the prosecution that he was looking, persecution, excuse me, that he was looking for uh, to to confirm his faith. And I find that interesting because we were getting confirmation bias on both ends, in my opinion. I I would like to believe that, uh, it's not even that I would like to believe, I'm inclined to believe that the proselytizer was doubling down on his faith because he received heckling and harassment that feels like persecution. And that confirms, at least through the lens of Christianity, that he's in the right spot, doing the right thing, because that's going to happen. Whereas the heckler, the the beer-consuming Oktoberfest-goer with the uh, lack of tact to shout at someone like this, is also doubling down because they might be believing, wow, look at that crazy person. Aren't we better than that crazy person? Now, got to admit, it's hard not to think that way as someone on the outside seeing a- another individual behave in a way that's co- contrarian to the entire group around you, right? But I'm not inclined to approach this person. There's always room for a conversation about what you believe and why, and I think those are great things, but this is not the space for that. I don't know what the best response is to a proselytizer jumping into the middle of a big thing like Oktoberfest and telling us all we're going to go to hell, especially towards the end of the day when a lot of these folks have had quite a bit to drink. But my question really comes down to, like, what do we do when someone is wielding their faith in a loud and in-your-face way in a setting like this? My, My answer was we walk on by. And I think that 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 might be the wrong answer, because that's the answer a lot of us give to, like, homeless individuals. We just walk on by, pretend they're not real. 
It felt really similar to me. It's been on my mind a lot. Uh, not not enough where I want to talk about it every few minutes, but enough where, like, when I think about Oktoberfest, I think, like, did we do the right thing by walking on by? Uh, may- maybe that is the right choice. You just let them run themselves out of steam. Is it like a child that's yelling or throwing a fit? Do you just let them run it out? Is, it, is that is that even an option? I'm not a parent. What do I know? Um... Uh, and what do we do with the hecklers? You know, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. I'm really not going to be here to, to support someone telling me I'm going to hell. Uh, but I, do I support those hecklers harassing the person? So what is the grounds? What should somebody do if they realize that both ends of this don't seem to be right? What would a a more powerful individual than myself with a a moral compass a little less gray than myself do in a situation like that and and, you know so i'm I'm really asking hey what would you do (laughs) would you walk on by would you heckle the person yourself would you heckle the heckler would you try to you know go all straight epistemology on the dude who's who's proselytizing would you get would you approach straight epistemology with maybe the heckler that sounds like maybe the best answer to me is like hey just let him have his thing uh so let's let's come up with why you feel the need to shot him down uh but anyway yeah that's it's just been on my mind so it was really dominant it was something i really wanted to talk about today and i I think it was worth approaching All right, so before we get ready to get out of here, wrap this thing up, call it a day, I want to let you know that I am beginning a street team in my Discord. I am not 100% sure how that's going to work. So if you're in the Discord server and you want to be a part of it, let me know. I'm going to make an announcement in there today as well. But if you're just now coming to the community, who knows when you hear this, it might be, maybe it didn't work out. Uh, Maybe it worked out really well. But I need ways to put sort of like a, like uh to to get to build support in a way that doesn't feel scummy and so to give back to the street team if you share content of mine i'll keep some points and then i'll send you bundles of stickers maybe if i'll let you save up points to get a t-shirt or something uh but it's a way to encourage people to share the content proselytize a little bit without having to feel like a scumbag who's just begging for shares so I think that'll be fun. Um, I've taken the idea from when I was on the street team for a band back in high school. and you know, I got free stickers for spreading the word and being an active member of the community. So I think that'll be good. Uh, we'll we'll see how it rolls out. I'm, I'm going to be talking to some programming friends on how best to implement it, and we'll see what we can pull off. Uh, but with that said, we're going to wrap things up today. So this has been Fables of Our Deconstruction. Fables of Our Deconstruction is created by me, Dylan Jacobson. Please like and review Fables wherever you get your podcasts. And join my community, the Brimstone Order, at patreon.com slash Dylan. I'd like to thank Apes of the State for use of their song moments a year from now as my intro and outro. And remember, you're never alone. We are in this together.